This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play via the iHeartRadio app. Well, it's great to have the whole team. Like, even Roots was out there. Like, you, you want to go in to the playoffs, put your best foot forward. And, and so, hopefully, these guys, we can get them going and, and get them up to speed. But anytime you have your entire team, you don't want guys sitting out. We got a pretty close group there. So, it's, uh, it's great when everybody's on the ice together. Heck yeah. Everybody on the ice together. It's like one big family. Just like this show, Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. I am Greg Linnelli along with Dave Mishkin, Steve Ersnick producing. Wow, we've got a jam-packed show. You heard John Cooper talk about Kucherov and Stamkos and Ruta all on the ice. That's pretty good news. I think if you're a Lightning fan, what does that mean for the team moving forward? Dave and I are going to get into that. The Lightning and attendance for round one of the playoffs has been announced. You'll like that. And Jeff Vinnick will like it as well because that helps in the revenue department for sure. Tom Wilson got a slap on the wrist. How embarrassing is that for the NHL? And so much more as we get you set for Lightning and Stars tonight at 7 o'clock, 6.30 pregame. But at 6, Kaylee Chelios and Brian Burns will have their pregame skate show. So we've got you covered really till the end of the game where we have the last call. Brian Engblom and I will recap everything but let me bring in my partner Dave Michigan Dave great being with you again today and you know yesterday's show we talked about Tom Wilson we speculated regarding Stamkos and Kucherov and Rutsa if they were in the lineup if they weren't going to be in the lineup to start the playoffs and lo and behold yesterday pretty newsworthy when we talk about practice and guys showing up by the way has there ever been a season where Alan Iverson, the great philosopher, has been right about practice and how intriguing practice has been, not only for coaches wanting to get that valuable practice time because of how many games there are in a short week, but also to, you know, Kucherov, Stamkos, and Rutsa back at practice, which means well, there may be a light at the end of the tunnel there for them playing sooner rather than later. I don't know. I think Alan Iverson might have had his tongue firmly embedded in his cheek. <laughs> When he made that statement. And if we're being completely honest we about are. this, it is a competing philosophy about the worth of practice that it's has true. taken hold in the NHL this year. Not only for the players actually participating in the practice, but for yeah. all of us media folks to get information about a player's injury status relating to whether he shows up at practice or not. But, yeah, we, we probably had the misfortune yesterday. We did pre-record. I mean, we weren't pre-recording at, like, 7 o'clock in the morning, but we did pre-record before some of the news came out, both about Stamp Ghost, Kucherov, and Ruda, and I'll get to that in a second, and the fact that Tom Wilson only got a fine. We didn't know that when we talked about the play, and a lot has happened since then. But what John Cooper said after practice yesterday was that there is a chance Ruta might get into one of these final four regular season games, and, and it probably wouldn't be tonight. If it's going to be one of the four, you're probably looking at one of the last two against the Panthers. But it sounded unlikely that Stamkos would get into one of these final four games. Same with Kucherov. Now, does that mean that that all three of those guys are going to be ready for game one of the playoffs? He didn't go so far as to say that. And it is still unclear when the playoffs would begin. But 
Channeling Elliot Friedman, please. <laughs> Channeling Elliot Friedman. Do it. His 31 thoughts. And it was the shortest one. Number 16. It was very impactful. Yeah. He just had in there. Looks like the playoffs are going to start, or their talk that the playoffs are going to start May 15th for US the three divisions. Yeah. And then the Canadian division a couple of days after that. So look, the central division is going to finish first. Is it possible that they would just play both? of the Central Division Series on the 15th. So those teams are only waiting four days because whether it's Dallas or Nashville, actually, I shouldn't say that because Dallas plays on the 9th, I think. But if it's Nashville, Nashville, Carolina, Tampa Bay, and Florida all play on the 10th. The other divisions go through the 11th in the East and the 13th in the West. So I don't know. I mean, if you're looking at the playoffs potentially starting on the 15th and that has not yet been etched in stone but if it is would you be shocked if both central division series start on the 15th which is your typical period of time actually between the end of a regular season and the start of a playoffs usually three to four days in between the end of the regular season and the start of the playoffs so that would be right on right on target so what does that mean for Kucherov and Stamkos and potentially Ruda if he doesn't play in a regular season game, we're going to have to wait and see. But it, it, it doesn't sound like it's going to be like two weeks after the Lightning finish game 56 before they would start their playoff series. Well, and that would be great because, I mean, think about it. If that's truly the case, according to Elliot Freeman, and again, as we've said before, Dave, he doesn't mention those things if he hasn't already gotten word that that's right. probably what's happening. And... I think, to be completely honest, because of the logistics involved in getting ready and and moving a team from city back and forth when it comes to a playoff series, I'm sure, logistically, that each team who is headed to the playoffs probably was made aware of the plans that the NHL has in store so they could make arrangements for hotel, for whatever, tickets, Whatever that may be, I mean, traveling parties do exist even in COVID, and with restrictions being loosened, you have to give these people a heads up so they can make the appropriate travel arrangements. So I think Elliot Friedman probably is making public what a lot of teams already knew. John Cooper has hinted at this, Dave, over the last week about you know having a little time off in between the regular season and the postseason, and if what Elliot says is true then the Lightning have from now till the 15th. So, you know, 10 days until the playoffs theoretically would start. And that would be, you know, some time, a little extra time for a guy like Kucherov, Stamkos, and Ruta. A little extra time. A little extra time. Now, Roots, it sounds like Dave may get back Yeah, one of those games. Yeah, that's what he said. Maybe one of the final regular season games. Here's here's just a thought that popped into my head, Greg, and I don't want to spend a ton of time on this because we have Eric coming up and and we have other – more newsworthy topics, but just this is where my brain went. <laughs> so I'm going to go there. I'm going to say it live radio. So in a normal season, you have the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference. So the Western Conference teams are all like in the central division or in the central time zone farther west. So you would normally see in the first round would be some games starting kind of in the 7 to 7.30 range, Eastern, and then within the same night, some games starting later, usually like 9.30 or 10 Eastern. I wonder how they're going to do that this year. 
because at least for the Central and the East, because we know that Carolina, the Lightning, and Panthers are are going to be the top three teams. So mm-hmm. those two series are all going to start in the East, both going to start in the East. And the East division, they're going to start in the East. If Toronto gets first, that's going to start in the East. <laughs> you know, like you may not have a lot of late games. I'm just wondering how they're going to do television this year. Are we going to have, you know, like potentially four games all being played at seven o'clock on, on one night once the first round really gets going? I'm just curious yeah, how know. that's going to look because it's going to be different. Even last year in the two bubbles, because the one bubble was in Edmonton. So they they artificially had, you know, a mountain time zone yeah. city where they could stagger the start times on on weeknights. Not so much. I mean, on weekends, too. But on weekends, you can have the afternoon games. Yeah. Well, that's OK. Spread them out. Spread them out. I'm not sure you they think can it, spread. Them I out, wonder though. if they go every other day, too. But like, what would you like? What would you do with that, with a schedule like that? Okay, so well, that's what they've always Vegas done. Vegas the or Colorado is going to finish in first, and maybe Minnesota. They're a central team, but yeah, let's just say Vegas finishes in first, and Colorado finishes in second. All right, so that those are two series that you could start later. But do you think NBC in its final season with these playoff games is going to be thrilled at having so many start times? in all likelihood being, you know, 7 o'clock in the East. That's what they've always done in the past. I mean, they have... Yeah, you but know. you have, you have the, the two divisions in the West that would always start later at night, is mm-hmm. what I'm saying. That's true. Now saying, you may well, only have really... Because Toronto, Toronto is taking up... Like, Toronto is going to play at 7 o'clock. The two East teams are going to play at 7 o'clock. And at least at the start of the two Central playoff series those are going to start at seven o'clock or maybe seven thirty. well they, they always had some eight o'clocks in there too they would start some at seven some at eight right but they're not going to have a lot of those later games yeah. the nine thirty games where they could play hockey all night that's mm-hmm. what i'm that's what i'm trying to get across right it's a good question i don't know i i didn't you know dave i haven't really thought about it <laughs> i hadn't thought about it either <laughs> you know, a, I mean, until we a, talked about all right yeah. the, the canadian division is going to start later i'm like oh well what's starting okay pittsburgh might be at home seven Carolina's going to be at home seven. I wonder Toronto's if Toronto's going to be at home seven. Would they make those games eight thirty, nine o'clock? You know, would some of those Eastern teams have to just you might go have nine some o'clock? Pretty sour players, coaches, and fans. Yeah, you, you. But Dave, I feel like everybody's been complaining at some point this year with with how things have transpired. Maybe I they could tie it into a sleepover at the arena. <laughs> a sleepover. at <laughs> Bring the, the arena. Stanley Cup. No, you can't. After only the, game, the Lightning you put have on a cup. movie on the scoreboard. What movie would you watch? Groundhog's Day. <laughs> that might be it. That, but it's I mean it's an li- interesting question and I, I I think it's it's one I'm sure the league we didn't need probably. to spend so much time on it but I'm curious to see yeah. when the television schedule comes out how they're how they're working all of this and you may be right there may be some teams that are artificially pushed back they may I think mm-hmm. that happened to Chicago maybe or St Louis a couple of years ago like they had to play at essentially 9:30 Eastern 8:30 local time. And those teams were not thrilled about that, mm-hmm. or at least the broadcasters weren't. I remember was it Pat Foley who who got in a little bit of a little hot water. Hot water. He was. I mean, upset. I think I don't want to put put Pat on the spot. It might not have been yeah. him, but somebody said something about the later start times, and 
they did it for television, basically. You know, I, I wonder, too, how many of those games will fall on the weekend, too. You know, can you do something where you can break that up a little bit? You can go noon. You can go three. Yeah. You can go mm-hmm. seven. That may help the schedule and break it up a bit. But you're right. Once you get to the weekdays, you may just have to have a team that says, look, you're going to be playing at nine o'clock. And that way you're going to I mean, you'll have hockey from seven. Right. Into nine. And then if you want to have. You they know, could. They could always game. start some games at six or go a little earlier too. Yeah, yeah they could. You could. They could. You could. Whatever. Up. We'll be there. Bottom line is, we'll be there for everybody who's a and, Lightning and, fan. And regardless. Greg, let me just let me just add on to what we yeah. were talking about with the Wilson go situation ahead. yesterday, because now we have some news. Not only the fact that he only got fined, there was yeah. no suspension, and the New York Rangers. And this, if this has happened before, I can't remember it. So I'm going to use the word unprecedented. This was unprecedented on the part of the Rangers issuing a statement, an organizational statement, condemning the fact that the league did not suspend him and actually calling for George Paros's resignation or for him to be fired. And he, he runs the Department of Player Safety. So we talked yesterday a little bit about, like, why are people so upset with the Wilson play? And and I made the point, and, and I stand by this. I'm, I'm not I'm not changing what I said mm-hmm. yesterday. Is that it wasn't just what happened on the ice. It was also the fact that it was Wilson who has been doing this repeatedly. And maybe if you had another player do exactly what Wilson did, but didn't have the checkered past, the reaction, the reaction beyond what we we got from the league and from the Rangers might have been a little bit different. And that that may be. Uh, now that we've had time to digest it and and we've we've heard from the league and we've heard from the Rangers, here is kind of where I'm coming at it today. There have been plenty of instances in the history of the NHL where two guys are fighting, one guy does not have a helmet, maybe in days when they didn't wear helmets and and guys were were flung to the ice. Because that's really the play, I think, that that got the Rangers so disgusted with only the fine. The Butchnevich play is, is a cheap play. He punches the guy while he's down. The Caps were quick to point out that he punched him in the shoulder or the back. It wasn't the head. That is a play that you see. It's not something you like to see. But it's not like he's going to end Butchnevich's career by hitting him in the shoulder pad when he's down. The Panarin play, though, because you're body slamming a player to the ice who does not have his helmet. And Wilson yanked his helmet off, too. So we have seen plays like that before in the history of the NHL. Here is is the difference. The difference is, first of all, the league has made a concerted effort to protect guys from hitting the ice when they don't have a helmet on. To the point that they have put in this rule that we have talked about, if you lose your helmet during play, you either need to pick it up and put it back on or go to the bench. That's how serious the league is taking this being on the ice without a helmet. Wilson yanks off Panarin's helmet and literally flings him to the ice. Through the grace of God, Panarin did not have his head hit the ice. He easily could have. So back in 1972, this helmet rule didn't exist. Players mostly didn't even wear helmets. And they fought. And guys wrestled to the ice. That was part of the game. That is no longer 
part of the game. So that's one. Two, Wilson and Elliot actually made this point, I think, in his 31 Thoughts. Wilson knew what he was doing. This was not like a big hit or some kind of hockey play. Elliot even made the point that Wilson is a very alert guy. Like just pre previous to that incident, he had given his stick to John Carlson, who had broken his stick in like the heat of the moment. You know, forward will give his stick to a defenseman if the defenseman has broken his stick. So Elliot's point was like Wilson knew what he was doing, and he knew he who he was doing it to Panarin the superstar in the other team. And that has some, like he needs to take accountability for the fact that this just wasn't like a hockey play gone wrong, okay? Which sometimes we've talked about that. Like in in the heat of the moment, you're trying to make a, a hit, the guy ducks, this is different. And then the third part that made this different from a lot of these other plays is that Wilson was not doing this to the fourth-line right winger on the Rangers. And you hate to say that there is a distinction, but there is. There is a distinction between doing it to somebody other than Artemi Panarin and doing it to Artemi Panarin. And I don't ascribe to this notion that Panarin had it coming because he jumped on Wilson's back. You jump on Wilson's back, this is what you get. He jumped on Wilson's back because Wilson was going at one of his teammates. That's what hockey players do. Wilson was going at Ryan Strom because Ryan Strom tried to pull him off Buchnevich. Panarin's trying to pull him off Strom. So that's where this kind of... Like yesterday, I felt like we have had these plays before. And and the point I was trying to make yesterday is these plays have happened. They're viewed differently now than they were in the 70s and the 80s. But in the history of the league, they have happened. But today's game is different. But if a player other than Tom Wilson had done this, maybe people wouldn't have gotten so upset. And, And maybe if I had something to change from what I said yesterday, it would be that. Because taking into account pulling the player down without a helmet and and risking serious, serious injury is something that, that nobody should be allowed to do, whether you're Tom Wilson or anybody else. But the fact that it was Wilson, this was kind of my point, a guy who has had repeated incidents adds fuel to the fire. So you have the no helmet, you have the element of it not being really a hockey play, and then you have the part of this, which is it's Panarin. You think the Caps would like it if somebody did that to Nicholas Backstrom? How would the Capitals feel if Nicholas Backstrom didn't have his helmet on after trying to protect one of his teammates and a guy on the other team yanks off the helmet of Backstrom and body slams him to the ice? They would send Tom Wilson out. And Tom Wilson would go out and hurt somebody. That's what well, they would do. That's uh, what they would do. Okay, but but I think the Rangers' point is the league needed to address everything that happened You're right. in this context. You're right in theory, but Dave, the league has never, in my opinion, and I've seen a few of them growing up, they've well, never— How pre- long was Matt Cook suspended? I mean, don't say never. I mean, they no, 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 no. Let me finish my point. Let me finish my point. They have never, in my opinion— protected the stars in the way you'd like to see them being protected because the point of what you're saying and I agree with it 
is that once Wilson knew Panarin was the guy he was engaged with, you let him go. Yeah. You do not throw him to the ice like a rag doll. But the league has shown that over the years. And he knew he didn't have his helmet He on. didn't. But the league over the years has shown that they don't, A, they don't know how to market star players, and they don't protect them. Mario Lemieux had to retire because of BS like that. This goes on a whole lot of years. And you know what? The Rangers got everything right in their statement. I said this to Eric Erlinson, who I think is just joining us right now from yeah, Eric can jump in if he has any thoughts. I don't know if he heard my he, spiel. He might have. But <laughs> um, I, I said everybody in that department should be fired. It was an obvious – look, that was an easy, low-hanging fruit penalty that they could have assigned to Tom Wilson. If they would have said to the league – and to fans out there, that Tom Wilson was going to be suspended for the rest of the playoffs and maybe even into next year. Dave, outside of Capitals fans and some of the Capitals players, nobody would have complained. That was an easy one to get right, and they didn't. And you know what's scary about this whole situation? Not scary, maybe sad, is that you could almost make the argument the Rangers as an organization, with the statement they put out yesterday, is in more danger of receiving a bigger fine than Tom Wilson for his actions throwing Artemi Panarin to the ground. That's how twisted this league is. You want to change these hits to the head? You want to make it safer? Tom Wilson was an easy example, and you failed. I, I mean, not even a suspension, a five thousand. What does a five thousand dollar fine do? It's I mean, embarrassing. I have to, it's I have embarrassing. To wonder, like, because there, to the best of my knowledge. There is no precedent for suspending a player for wrestling an opponent to the ice when he doesn't have his helmet on. And maybe that was the way the Department of Player Safety was looking at this and like, well, you know, we we talk about hits to the head. We talk about cheap shots. We talk about an unsuspecting player. This was a scrum. It was different. But, you know, if the league is putting in that helmet rule, I mean, I don't know. I think that you could have addressed it this way and said that Tom Wilson knowingly endangered an opponent by throwing him to the ice when he didn't have his helmet on. That is reckless behavior and is suspendable. Even if it doesn't say, like, in the rule book that, you know, unlike, say, a hit to the head, that might be a match penalty with supplemental discipline. <laughs> that is well, a penalty. I don't know that there is a penalty for wrestling an opponent without a helmet to the ice, but I think that if your objective as a league is to limit blows to the head, generally, to the point that you've put in this helmet rule, just in flow of play, not even in a fight situation. Like, if you're just skating up and down the ice, your helmet comes off, you need to get to the bench if you can't put your helmet back on. There's a reason why they so, put that rule in place. There is. And I think on it's valid. building on that, I think that the, the Department of Player Safety, in retrospect, could have said, we recognize that this would be yeah. kind of an unconventional suspension based on precedent, but we feel that dot, 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 right? <laughs> like, given the fact it was Panarin, given the fact he didn't have his helmet on, that Wilson yanked off, given the fact sure. Wilson body slammed him to the ice, and and wrist grave injury. Here is our ruling. So let's bring in Eric Erlinson from LightningInsider.com, our good friend who joins us 
uh, right now. We talked about this the other day. The other thing, too, guys, and I want your thoughts on this. This has a chance to escalate pretty quickly. Depends on how far I think the Rangers want to take this. Because a lot of times we always hear about NHL players, you know, they've got long memories. It just so happens it's a short time span between the last time these two teams played and when they're meeting again, which is tonight at 7 o'clock. I mean, if the Rangers want to take this to the nth degree, E, they could dress some goons, guys who are, you know, on the roster, if they wanted to bring somebody up, if they wanted to go through that protocol and, and have this go nasty. And then they not only target Wilson, they start targeting some of the other Capitals players, assuming Kuznetsov's not suspended <laughs> and uh, Ovechkin's playing again. But this, you understand my point, that the NHL has allowed this to get possibly ugly tonight with these two teams playing. It does. It does. Which is scary. It, well, here, here's the other part of it. Like, who, But who on the Rangers roster is, is capable of like going after Tom Wilson? Yeah, I don't know. And, and that's part of it. Like, I, I think I saw some comment yesterday from somebody who said, you know, Tom Wilson's the, the king of the playground, and nobody's going to challenge him because nobody can. There's there's very few players in the league that can challenge Tom Wilson because of who he is, the size, and everything else he has. Uh, one of them is probably Ryan Reeves. Uh, one of them is probably Pat Maroon. And probably the biggest one is now his teammate, and that's Zidane Chara, who did go after you know him a couple of times when the Bruins when he was with the Bruins. So I I don't know what the Rangers will be able to do. I know what they would like to do. Um but you know the Rangers called off their media availability today. So there's no indication of what the lineup might look like if they're calling up anybody they have in Hartford that you know could potentially do something like this which now you're just creating a whole different scenario of bad things that can happen tonight, you know, and, 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 and what if the Rangers who are out of the playoffs decide, Hey, you know what? We're going to take a run at Nicholas Backstrom. You're going to, you're going to body slam our best player, to the ice, our top player to the ice. We're going to go after your best player. And then it becomes wild, wild West. And that's never a good thing for the league. And you know, the one thing, and I, and I know I mentioned this on the, the podcast, Greg, uh, if people want to listen to it, but I'll, I'll bring it up here too. And, and Dave, you, you probably remember this, Remember when Vinny Prospel was suspended for never making contact with the player? Because he had a player down on the ice. He had a stick across like he was going to cross-check him to the head and then and then didn't do it. But he still got suspended. I actually don't remember For the that. play. And, and my, maybe it was the first year. Yeah. Maybe it was the I think you're going to bring up the, the Chara-LeCavalier fight in the playoffs in 06. Remember that? Chara was playing yeah. for Ottawa. He yeah, had he, Vinny down on the ice. Yep. Essentially defenseless, and yeah. and they had fought, and Chara had his his right fist ready to go, and he didn't throw the punch because he would have injured Lacalier. Oh, seriously, he could have seriously injured him in that situation. And you know, it, like I heard Mike Rupp on uh, Sirius XM yesterday, and basically said it was one of those snap moments. That's not an excuse. You have to have better. I know this is an emotional game. And, you know, we love the emotion and, and everything that comes with it. It's a, it's a big part of the game. But there are times where players have to understand your emotions cannot get the better for, for you. Because let's face it, the league, as bad as this incident is and as polarizing as it is, because there are strong opinions across the board on either side of this argument, they got fortunate that um, – you know he's not hurt worse. Panarin's not hurt worse. That was that was the point that I made. Yeah, well, one of the because points I made. 
if his head hits the ice, and now we're talking a completely different situation, completely different situation, you know, and they're calling what happened to him a lower body injury, and I don't know if that's what happened when, you know, it, it appeared that Wilson kind of drug him, maybe pulled his hair uh, as, as he kind of pulled him to the ice. Uh, fortunately, it was the shoulder that took the brunt of, um, you know, the impact when he fell and not the head. But, boy, it, it, that's a completely different situation now. And that's that's part of my thought process is why can't the league be more proactive in these situations rather than reactive? And I think too many times they react to situations rather than trying to prevent them before they come to fruition. Tell you what we're going to do. We're going to take a break. We're going to get into some lightning talk with E and uh, move away from Tom Wilson. I mean, if fans want to react to it, they can at Bolts Radio. Lightning increasing their attendance for game one of uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs. First round. We'll talk about that with E. Also, too, Kucherov, Stammer, and Ruta. Good news there yesterday. What does it mean for the Lightning moving forward? And how important is it to get home ice advantage in this division? We'll talk about it with E when we return. He's Dave Michigan. I am Greg Linelli on Lightning Power Play. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. All right, glad you're with us. Getting you set for Lightning and Stars tonight. Greg Lanelli, Day Michigan with you. Steve Ersnick producing. Eric Erlinson from LightningInsider.com hanging on to talk a little more Lightning this segment. And uh, e big news, I think, for Lightning fans, for the players, Stamkos, Kucherov, Rutsa practicing yesterday, I, I hope, I think, the players and coaches hope that they'll be ready for game one of uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs, round one. What do you make of their possible return for that game? It looks like Jan- or May 15th is when this is always going to go down, at least according to Elliot Friedman today. And what are, do you think, reasonable expectations for those three players, understanding they've all missed a lot of time, and in Kucherov's case, just hasn't played at all? Yeah, well, Kucherov is right on schedule, right? Like, he's right in that four- to five-month time frame that they talked about when he had the surgery back in December and the amount of time that he was going to miss. So uh, it's just encouraging to see him back. And I I would certainly think that for Game 1, especially now with at least a couple extra days before the playoffs do start, um, you know, that he's going to have the opportunity to be able to get into Game 1. The the other two, with with Ruta and Stamkos – you know they they're they're coming back from different types of injuries and you know so the timeline might be a little bit different the recovery is obviously a little bit different but it's encouraging to see Stamkos back on the ice in particular there's a lot of concern because of the nature in which he did injure himself and you know the time that he missed and going on LTI it certainly sounds like the plan is not for him to get into one of these final four games. Uh, we'll we'll have to see if that comes to fruition. Uh, but John Cooper certainly hinted at that on uh, when he talked to the media yesterday. Um, and then uh, with Jan Ruda, uh, again, we're not sure what it was, but it sounds like he'll get into a game. So, look, yesterday was the first practice all year that they've had a full squad practice, right? Like, it's it's incredible to think about the season that they've gone through that they haven't been 100% healthy all year. Big part of this, of course, is with Kucherov's injury. But uh, I think that's extremely encouraging for what, the start of the playoffs are going to be. And as terms of expectations, I mean, they're elite players, you know, especially Stamkos and Kucherov. 
They is it going to take? Could their timing be off for sure? I, I think that the timing might be off. I think that now with you know with the season ending on the tenth and then potentially starting on the fifteenth, you know those extra days are a great opportunity to maybe you know start off the week, you know kind of starting to ramp things up and, and changing the way you practice and get more up tempo to get those guys into into you know hockey shape, game shape to get their timing back, maybe create some scrimmage scenarios as, as they did in practice on Tuesday. Uh, so a uh, great sign for this team that if they're going to be 100% healthy, knocking on wood, heading into the playoffs, uh, I think that's a great sign for this team no matter who they end up playing. At his press conference earlier today, John Cooper had a pretty interesting response to a question that was posed to him about kind of past playoff runs and and if you can read anything into how the team was playing going into the playoffs and if that corresponded with success in the playoffs. Because we have talked quite a bit about, like, the Lightning want to be peaking at the right time. They want to be getting their game in shape to get ready for the playoffs. And Coop basically said, eh. <laughs> you know, like, he's kind of like, well, I've seen teams really struggle going to the playoffs and they get hot and teams play really well going to the playoffs and, and, they, and they do very poorly. I guess, what did you make of that response? And, and and I'm guessing it wasn't quite as cut and dried as I just relayed it. No, it was. <laughs> well, so what did you make of, of that response? I think conventional wisdom is that you, know, you don't want to have your game in tatters going into the playoffs. And, and usually teams that have their games in tatters going to the playoffs do not go on to win the Stanley Cup. I, you know, I, I'm a big believer, and I've been saying this for three, four years now, how you play, you know, three weeks before the end of the regular season, two weeks before the end of the regular season does not dictate how you're going to play once you get into a postgame series, a postseason series. Uh, you want to have good habits. You want to feel good about where your game is. I think that's why, you know, we've talked about it. I know you wrote about it. Um, you know, the team playing more defensive, sound hockey. It's, and to me, that's just getting back to the good habits that won them a championship last year, and that's their puck management, establishing their forecheck, getting the puck in deep, all that stuff that we've seen particularly over the past three games. So you want to feel good about how your approach is to the game. But if, if we're judging how a team finishes down the stretch, well, shouldn't the 2015 Ottawa Senators, who finished the season on a 20-4 and four stretch, been considered Stanley Cup favorites? You know they got knocked out and ended up being six games, but they fell behind by uh, by three nothing to Montreal in that first round series, and before they could extend it to six. Um, you know, in, in contrast, the year the Lightning won the Stanley Cup, I think they were three and seven. Two thousand and four, I have to remember it's happened twice now. Uh, in two thousand and four, I think they were three and seven in their final ten games, and they go on to win the cup. So it, that's what it, it like. Wins and losses don't necessarily matter. I just think you just want to have good habits and start to feel good about where your game. You don't want to have question marks about your game. You just want confidence because, as we know, there's a reason they call it the second season because you start to get into matchup situations and look for teams' tendencies uh, going into a postseason series. You're worried more about matchups, your line matchups, your defensive matchups, all that kind of stuff. So the dynamic of how you approach on a game-to-game basis is different from the regular season. So wins and losses, to me, don't matter. Just good habits, I think, is just what you want to create. What type of leash do you think Tyler Johnson's going to have once the playoffs begin? Probably pretty short, uh, just because you have guys pushing. And, you know, I know this is a 
deep conversation that's going to happen here over the next week and a half, assuming Steven Stamkos and Nikita Kucherov and everybody else is 100% healthy, who do you take out of the lineup? And it's not an easy decision to make. I think the obvious first one would be Alex Barry-Boulay, and that's nothing against the way he's played, but that's Nikita Kucherov's spot, and he's not taking it. Uh, and then when Steven Stamkos, assuming he comes back, if he slots back into that second line with Anthony Sorelli and Alex Kalorn, you know, who's the next guy that's going to come out? Is it Matthew Joseph? Is it Ross Colton? Is it Tyler Johnson? I think, and I wrote about this a little bit today, that when we saw Tyler Johnson play fourth-line center a couple weeks ago for a few games, I think that was a, an opportunity for the coaching staff to maybe get an idea and a feel for what that might look like because I think that's probably going to be a fourth line once you get to the postseason. Uh, but because Ross Colton has played so well, and he plays a down-low game probably much better than any of us realized, uh, including John Cooper, uh, he's he's going to have an opportunity if if Tyler Johnson or you know can't perform up to the expectations that we have for him, that the coaching staff has for him. Um, you know, so I don't think it's going to be a very long leash. But you know, Tyler Johnson's a pro. He's meant a lot to this organization through the years. He's had some big moments for this organization through the years. So he's certainly going to have the opportunity to do that once again. But I think because of the push that he's going to have from some of these younger players, um, you know, it, it won't take much for a change to happen if things aren't working. Dave, just a quick follow-up with that. Are, are, kind of like the Savard trade, thinking outside the box. Are we seeing something that could happen? In other words, does Ross Colton come out of the lineup? Is it Matthew Joseph? Can you look at Ross Colton and say, yeah, what he does in the playoffs might be a little bit more valuable considering he played center on a fourth line with Johnson and Maroon? Uh, to me, if like if I'm, if I'm trying to analyze exactly how everything goes, I, I've said it before, Tyler Johnson just does not look like the same player at wing, whether it's left or right, than he does at center. I think if you put him back in his natural position – uh, I think that you have more of an opportunity to get him to a comfort level that you want him to be at. Uh, and if, if that means Ross Colton's a guy that's out, because I don't think Matthew, my Matthew Joseph has been so versatile this year and being able to move up and down the lineup. And, you know, he's one of, I think, seven players who have not missed a game all season to this point. He's getting on the penalty kill rotation now, um, you know, a, a little bit. So uh, to me, if, 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 if we're talking Tyler Johnson stays in, I think it is Ross Colton. We don't yet know for certain the seedings in the Central Division, but Carolina has the inside track for first, and Nashville is closing in on that fourth seed. And an interesting dynamic in that Carolina and Nashville play each other twice to finish out the regular season, and the Lightning and Panthers, who would then meet in the first round, also play each other twice. If that is the case, like if heading into these last two games for all four of these teams in the regular season, they know that they are going to be seeing their eventual first-round opponent, what do you make of those last two games in those two different sets? Like how intense are they going to be? Is it like a send a message for the playoffs? <laughs> or are we making too much of this and the teams are going to look at it legitimately as games 55 and 56? Well, especially if Nashville clinches before they get to those final two games, and they can do that tonight. They need a win of any kind, and, and Tampa Bay needs to beat Dallas in regulation for that to happen. Uh, so if Nashville is already in in those two games against Carolina, that, that'll be interesting just to see if Carolina wants to 
send a message or, or if Nashville wants to kind of, you know, show that they are a, a team to be reckoned with. Uh, I don't know how intense those games would be because the, the, the worst thing you want to have happen is an injury to a, a key player. So will that uh, kind of slow things down a little bit? Potentially. The interesting one to me is between what potentially could be a Florida-Tampa Bay situation because there is home ice advantage at play. Uh, you know, no matter what, even if Tampa Bay is able to win these next two games against Dallas, those games against the Panthers this weekend will have meaning for home ice advantage. Um, and we've heard Tampa Bay talk about that quite a bit. You know, and Florida, look, Florida too, they still have a chance at catching Carolina. Uh, it's it's an outside shot. I think they're four points back now. Uh, Carolina still has a game in hand, uh, so it's a it's a tough road to get there. Uh, but uh, but I think the Florida Tampa Bay one could actually be a little bit more intense, a little bit more message sending, if you want, because I think both teams will want that home ice. Um, and do you push as hard as you would if you're trying to get into the playoffs? Maybe not. But uh, it's just interesting that you could end up facing a team potentially nine straight times if uh, either of those series go to a uh, full seven-game allotment. That is weird. You know, we often talk about the remaining four games and then heading into the playoffs, guys who need to elevate their play in order for the Lightning to have a deep run. And there are a number of guys you can mention, and I think they all would be credible, and we could have those discussions. You start with the goaltender. I don't think it's a leap of faith to sit there and say Victor Hedman needs to be a lot better heading into the playoffs. And I think based off of his track record, he will be. But he, for me, a, a guy like Mikhail Sergachev is somebody that I want to see if the playoffs bring a new breath of fresh air for him because it, it hasn't been as smooth a season this year as it was last year in terms of being impactful, particularly the offensive numbers in goals. What do you make of Sergachev's play so far this year, and do you feel like he is one of those guys that's going to need to elevate his play come playoff time? I mean, he needs to be better. Uh, I, I think scoring that goal in Detroit the other day can probably help him with some of his confidence, especially offensively, because I remember I asked him the question uh, in the series, you know, the game against Chicago where he had the two assists, you know, about the backdoor passes he made for, you know, the, the, the Yanni Gore goal and the Alex Kalorn goal. He said that, you know, I was going to shoot it at first and then realize I only had two goals this year, so I'm not a goal scorer, so I passed it. That's a little insight into where his confidence was offensively. So maybe that goal that he did score against the Red Wings on Sunday helps him in that area. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, he needs to be impactful. He, he, he gets the minutes, he gets the role, he gets um, the ice time to perform, and you're expected to perform. Uh, it, does it need to be a drastic increase? I don't know if drastic does, but yeah, he needs to be better. Um, you know, I think everybody needs to be better because when you're trying to defend the Stanley Cup, we've seen it this year, you're viewed as the champion and everybody wants to knock you off, so their game is going to get elevated. Everybody has to elevate their game, and I think that's from player one all the way down to player 25, 26, 27, however many they carry in the postseason. Last one from me, Eric. What do you expect to see tonight from Dallas, which is underwhelmed so far on this make-or-break seven-game road trip? They've only got two points through the first three games. Do you think they have a lot of fight left, or has the die kind of been cast about where they're heading here? 
I just get the sense that the schedule that they've had to play down the stretch because of all the cancellations and postponements that they had in the early part of the year is catching up with them. Uh, you know, like the the game uh, last week here at Amelie, like you, I, I expected to see more out of Dallas. I expected to see a more intense game from Dallas, and I didn't see it. Um, not to the level that you thought for, because at that point, I think they still controlled their own destiny. If they were able to win their final stretch of games, they would have been in. And they end up getting shut out. And some of that is because of Tampa Bay and, and the way that they, you know, did their puck management and established their forecheck, especially in the first and the third periods. You know, but I watched some of their game against um, Florida, and for the first couple of periods the other night, they just didn't have it. They dug in deep. They found the two goals in the third period to force overtime, had a chance to win it, end up taking a penalty and losing the game on a power play in OT. I just think that the, the schedule's caught up with them. It's a difficult stretch for any team to have to go through what they did with a number of games and with the injuries that they've had. I mean, Rupe Hintz has been a game-time decision basically every single night. You know, Jason Dickinson is another uh, uh, game-time decision heading into tonight. Uh, Dennis Gurionov has not played as well for them. He's been battling some injuries. They've been without Tyler Sagan all year. He just came back the other night. I, I just think the circumstances is just too much for Dallas to overcome. Uh, and, and they're probably looking at it right now, knowing how hard these final four games for them are going to have to go. I just don't know if they have enough push. I would agree with that. I think that's a, a tough, tough mountain for them to, to climb, and we'll see how it, it plays out. Uh, lastly, on my end, uh, what do you make e of uh, intended, attendance increasing here for the Lightning come playoff time? And Elliot Friedman hinting it looks like May 15th would be the start time for the U.S. teams to play. How do you think that all works? Um, as far as the attendance, I'm not surprised. Uh, you just had a sense that with the way things were trending that the attendance was going to open up. I thought maybe we'd be a little bit closer to 50%. We're not going to be quite there, um, you know, at least for the start, at least for round one. But, you know, 7,000 fans compared to 3,800, 4,200, what has been, the you know, the number since fans were back in Amelie uh, starting back in, in March. Uh, it's going to feel it's going to feel like it's twice the number of people in the building, especially for a playoff game. So, I, you know, I'm looking forward to kind of seeing that atmosphere and, and seeing how the players react to it uh, as well. Uh, and as far as the 15th, like I, I've had that that date sort of in my mind ever since the Vancouver situation and the, and the playoff or the their regular season was pushed back to the 19th. And, you know, they hinted that the other divisions could start their playoffs ahead of the North and, and, and kind of wait for things to go from there. So I'm not surprised that the 15th is, is a sort of a target date. Uh, it's, it's a weekend. It, it, it's, it's an excitement. Um, I, I think they're going to build up to it. And, you know, I, I think just like the players have been talking about, I think you can sense that it's coming um, and I think we're all ready for it. Uh, we just got to get past these final four games here. Thanks, E. Appreciate it. Listen to his podcast. I uh, am with him on those. And subscribe to lightninginsider.com. We'll see you at the game tonight, E. Thanks, guys. See you at the rink. Thanks, Eric. All right. That's Eric Erlinson joining us right there. We'll take a break. We'll come back, wrap up the show. We're getting you set for Lightning and Stars. He's Dave Michigan. I am Greg Lanelli. Back after this on Lightning Power Play. The perfect social distancing distraction for your lunch hour. This is Power Lunch, only on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. It was Tom Wilson's fault. Tom Wilson took us off the air, Dave. 
And then Lars He's Eller like Dr. Evil <laughs> in some circles. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm uh, kidding, of course. We were I, think, I think the powers that be said enough with the Tom enough. Wilson talk. Enough. Enough. We can we can fine. revisit this if we need to tomorrow after the Rangers and Capitals play tonight. Let me see if I can get a tweet in here because we asked a question about Stammer and and Cooch and Rutsa, and we asked you know kind of what the expectations are when they come back for you. Uh, G Bolt says no expectations, just a bit better power play for Cooch. Too many games and way too much time off. Also, never a quick starter at the beginning of the year. Stamkos, I don't have too much confidence in his health condition. I'll be thrilled if he makes it through half a series. And we also asked the question, should a hit to the head be an automatic suspension? How many games? G-Bolt says automatic 10. Well, I do take exception with the last one for reasons we've talked about. Because sometimes a hit to the head is a, a, a hit that would not be a hit to the head and goes wrong at the last second. So if we're just going to say automatically 10 games, I think some hits to the head should be that. Other hits to the head are hits that would not be to the head if not for the player receiving the hit, ducking you, at the last second. For I'm wondering, though, for a league that's been so inconsistent with penalties and punishments, do you almost have to just have a, a blanket penalty across the board know. to try and get rid of it? I mean, we've talked about this, though. Do you want to take hitting out of the game? Well, it's not clean hitting. Hits. It's, it's But no, but you can go in for a clean hit, and if the guy you're hitting turns at the last second, a clean sure. hit becomes a hit to the head. Sure. What do you do with those plays? Sometimes. Either you're going to have a, a, a blanket rule, in which case you are going to be taking hitting out of the game because players are going to be tentative yeah. to lay hits for fear that the opponent is going to make a move at the last second, or you take each individual hit and look at it separately and, and try and make a determination, which is the the procedure they currently have. See, That's why I'm you have a department trying to look at this and, and figure out what happened on a particular play. I'm taking it out of those people's hands because I think they've failed tremendously over the years. I've right, you so you don't like the people who are in there now, but you would still ascribe to the notion that there should be a, a review board or a department to look at different hits and make a determination Maybe. as to how... Depends on who you get. I, I guess it would depend on how who you get. How flagrant it is. Let's, fa- let's face it, Dave, the way they've done things, they're not going to change. And so that's why I don't have any faith that it's going to change. And so, you know, I, I would just say blow it up, and it makes the decision easier. And if it takes a little hitting out of the game, maybe a lot of hitting, I don't know. I mean, you, you could sit there and say uh, hitting's been diminished a little bit anyways um, over the last 10, 15 years. I think guys struggle with what's a hit and what's not anyways. Some, right. some, some guys actually do try and hold up, and you see them not try and go for the big hit. And I think other guys, too, which amazes me, still have no regard for their peer. I mean, did you see Brian Rust? Um, not Brian Rust, uh, Gossesbury yesterday? Empty no. netter for the Penguin player. Guy cross-checks him right in the back, goes right into the boards. That was, I mean, yeah. you want to talk about a guy who could have been paralyzed. What are you doing? That's being a knucklehead. And so for something like that, all right, you're done. Five games. Can't cross-checks. You can't cross-check somebody in the back after... They've let their guard down and they scored a goal. That reminded me, was it Dale Hunter? The Turgeon play. Turgeon? Come yeah. on. Bush League. It's Bush League. And that's why I have no faith. It's the league's fault. It is what it is. Uh, Lightning and Stars tonight. You know, Ottinger getting the start. We'll see Sagan. Yeah. That'll sounds be like he and Ben him. are going to play together. Stars have some game time decisions. Sounds like Gurionov is joining this list of players yeah. trying to play through injuries, and he may not be able it's to go tough. tonight. 
It's tough. There, we, I think you and I both agreed we liked Nashville to sneak in there and, and beat Dallas. But, look, if there's going to be a game where Dallas plays like it's game six, game seven of the Stanley Cup final last year, it should be tonight. Yeah. Lightning should be ready to, for that. They anyway. should. They should. And, and Vassy's going to start. He'll be in the lineup. And uh, getting a goal on him is going to be a big deal because they haven't done a lot of that against Vassy over the last handful of games. But this is a good game, I think, for the Lightning to participate in. You're going to see a team, at least in theory, start the game out, I would think, quicker than what we saw last time these two teams played, Dave. Um, or was it two games ago where Dallas really didn't come out in the first period and play the way they wanted to? I thought the Lightning actually did pretty well right. taking them out of that. The second period, we saw a better Dallas team. Dallas needs to play with their pants on fire from the start. And uh, we'll see if Jamie Lexiak leads the way. <laughs> <laughs> and if he does, I'm sure we're going to talk about it tomorrow. I'll see you at the rink, Dave. Appreciate all it. All right. See you there. All right. Steve Ersick, thank you for all your hard work. Feed the gerbil, by the way, because he needs to continue to run to keep us on the air. And uh, we'll be with you guys starting at 6 o'clock tonight with Brian Burns and Kaylee Chelios. I'm Greg Linnelli. Thanks to Eric Rollinson as well. We'll be with you again tomorrow for a new edition of Power Lunch right here on Lighting Power Play.